Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning with you as we continue our series called uh, You Pick. I'm going to be honest with you, today isn't really You Pick, um, it's I Pick. It's something I wanted to talk about, and since nobody read my mind and asked the question, I said, well, guess what? I'll ask the question. So this is more of I Pick, and the question is this, what does the Bible say about mental health? What does the Bible say about mental health? Now, there's so much I want to say about mental health, but considering people set alarm clocks at 11 o'clock to let me know I'm going over here. Yes, okay, that's happened. Uh, No, but no, seriously, I realized I probably need to do a series about this uh, in the future, but this is a pretty important topic uh, for me uh, because I've struggled with with mental health things uh, for a long time. A long time. I've had a, a long journey myself. Now, I was diagnosed with a mental health disorder years ago. Now, remember I told you I grew up and I always got in trouble in school. And my ninth grade algebra teacher went to my mom, came in for a parent-student conference. Y'all ever have those? Every year, multiple times during the year because of your bad behavior? Yeah, you too? Okay, good. We're on the same page. So I had those all the time. It was nothing new. And my teacher had my mom come in. And she said, well, I think, I think Brian has ADHD. You need to go um, get him some help. And my mom did what any good mama does back in the 90s. How dare you talk about my baby boy like that? All right, they weren't as popular back then, right? It wasn't, it wasn't this normal thing you could talk about. How dare you say that about my baby boy? And I'm thankful she stuck up for me. And once I graduated high school, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I said, well, maybe I'll go to the community college. She said, well, hey, let's go ahead and check out this ADHD thing. Now we're going to be paying for it. And I went and I met with the psychiatrist. And he said, yeah, absolutely, you have ADHD. He said, this is what explains your impulsiveness, your lack of paying attention, your general don't care attitude, and my nonstop ability to talk. He basically said all the things that made me awesome, in my point of view, were a problem. And he prescribed medicine. And I remember taking the medicine. When I started taking it, I said, oh, my goodness. Is this, is, is this how everybody else's brain is? Like, you can sit there. You can listen and not want to talk. You don't have 7,000 things going through your mind all at once. I said, is this, this what other people do? I said, wow, what a difference. So in my own life, I've seen the value of mental health professionals, and maybe you have as well, where they help me recognize something about me that I didn't know because the crazy thing about mental health is if that's all you've ever known, you don't know there's something different because all you know is what you've experienced and what you're and how your mind and your feelings and all of that kind of stuff. And so it helped me realize something was different. But on the flip side, I've seen people misdiagnosed a bit. I've seen somebody put on very, very, very hard medications where the doctor um, misdiagnosed, I firmly believe, because the issue wasn't a mental health disorder. It was shame and guilt. 
And you can't medicate that stuff away. Those feelings are real and they're heavy and you have to deal with them. You can't medicate forgiveness. You can find it in Christ, but you can't medicate that away. See, they didn't believe in, well, that, and along with I've seen marriages torn apart. One in particular I'm thinking of, um, somebody was going through something in the marriage after several years. They had several kids, and they went to a, a counselor, and the counselor told them to leave. It wasn't abusive or anything like that. Just told them to leave and abandon all of the children and everything like that to find themselves. And when I think about that, I know these professionals were trying to help, but their worldview was very different from a biblical worldview. You see, they didn't think that past behaviors were sin. And they didn't think through the filter that sin has consequences and you have to deal with it. They weren't trying to find forgiveness through Jesus Christ or even think you needed or this idea of living for a holy God. And if you choose not to live for God, he's going to be doing things and working in you to cause you to perhaps seek him. They had no idea that wasn't on their radar. They didn't think like that. And so they would medicate the feelings away. When the marriage was on the brink, this marriage and these people sought help when it was on the brink of, of tearing apart, the counselor didn't have a biblical worldview of marriage. They didn't think marriage was sacred. They didn't think marriage is this union between husband and wife under God. They didn't have that worldview. If your marriage isn't working, just well, walk away. Just find somebody better. This whole idea of personal happiness. And listen, I believe and know for a fact that God can work through mental health professionals. But I don't believe mental health professionals are God. I do not believe they get to define what is right and what is wrong. They can be extremely helpful and many times very needed. But we never want to neglect what the Bible says about mental health. Nor should mental health be treated as if the Bible has nothing to say about the issue. Collectively, they can work together. They can help. So what is mental health? Here's the definition I found. It says mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices, which means a mental health professional does this. It says mental health providers are professionals who diagnose mental health conditions and provide treatment. In other words, mental health professionals are concerned about how you think, how you feel, and how you live. And here's a very important thing. So is Jesus. He is very concerned about how you think, how you feel, and how you live. And the authors of Scripture speak to these very issues. Again, if you hear nothing else, please hear this. All I'm trying to make the case for are huge cases. They work together. It's not that my Christian life's over here, my spiritual life's over here, and then my mental health's over here. Your mental health is part of your spiritual life. They go together. They can both be effective. And there's a background music playing through it the entire Bible that sometimes we miss. You see, there's an assumption that the Bible has and it speaks to. And if you pay attention, you can see it and realize that the Bible is always speaking to these things. See, there's two foundational issues the Bible assumes that you know is a problem. Number one is this. We all have mental health issues. You say, well, how dare you? Just hang on now. You're not perfect. I already know that. 
The Bible assumes you know this. If mental health speaks to how we think, how we feel, and how we act, then the Bible assumes all of us have issues. It doesn't mean you have a mental health disorder, but it means you have issues because sin is very real. You see, the gospel tells us that none of us are normal. What is normal anyways? I think I'm normal, by the way. Right? I, everybody thinks, what it, what, the gospel says, nobody's normal. You can't be normal because you were made in the image of God to have a relationship with God, to reflect God's glory in this earth. That's what you were made for, to live in this perfect harmony with God. But because of sin, we've all now been distorted. Our thinking's been distorted. Our feelings have been distorted. Everything about us and our world is broken. And, and we know that all of us, whether you have a biblical worldview or not, everybody agrees that the world just isn't right. We all agree that it has to get better. Something's missing in that urge and that feeling. Is God calling us to him? That's what that is. It's about like, hey, something's broke, and I can tell you what it is. So we've all been affected by sin. We've all learned to live without God. And no matter when you came to Christ, you've learned to live in certain areas of your God, tell, um, certain areas of your life telling God, this is off limits to you. Like this one area I got. You can have the rest, but this one area I'm going to do. And he's going to keep pulling us, pulling us. So all of us have evil desires, which cause all sorts of issues. So every single one of us, the common assumption in the Bible is that all of us have to rethink life in light of the gospel. we got to rethink what it means to treat our marriages, our children, our workplace relationships, boss. I mean, absolutely everything. That's what the gospel is speaking into. And the moment we think we don't have issues is the moment you probably have the, the most problematic of them all, pride. But every single one of us has them. The Bible assumes you already knew this. Number two, the Bible tells us about this, that we are under attack. Every single one of us is under attack. The Bible says we have a very real enemy who attacks us. Satan and his minions are real forces that actively try to pull us away from God and his purposes. The Bible tells us he wants to kill and destroy. He wants to stop us from living into God's plan for our life. And he roams around like a lion looking to devour you. This opportunity to seize the sin in your life. And I am well aware that talking about Satan and the devil sounds outdated. It sounds odd and weird. And it's like, can we just move past this idea of the devil and live into the modern society where we don't have to talk about those things? Well, I agree it's time to... Stop thinking about the elementary sci-fi Hollywood version of Satan. But not the real enemy, because if you believe in God or you believe in Jesus, I mean, they are the ones who tell us about Satan. I mean, we, we don't get to pick and choose what it looks like out there. This is the way it is. It presents us and tells us, here's what's going on. You see, Jesus gives us insight about the number one tactic Satan used. It's not jumping out of your closet it's not jumping through your TV or whatever movie you decide to watch that, that's influenced you on that. No, his number one tactic is lying. Look what Jesus tells us in John. He says, you belong to your father. He's talking to the Pharisees, religious leaders who are questioning him, all sorts of issues. He says, you belong to the father of the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And while that sounds harmless, right? It's a lot scarier to think that they jump out of things or they possess things or whatever else you may think of. Lies sound harmless, but they're far worse. Because if you choose to live a lie and you choose to take the direction of your life based on a lie, well, then all sorts of natural consequences come into light. All he has to do is to get you to believe one lie. And you'll handle the rest, won't you? You'll take care of the rest. You'll confirmation bias. You'll look for everything that agrees with that lie. And you'll be going down this path. Meaning if we choose to base our life, our emotions, and thoughts on something that is not true, it will lead to despair and hopelessness. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not rich enough. You're not smart enough. You're never going to get better. You're always going to be lonely. Nobody loves you. Nobody could love you. You don't need the church. You don't need the Bible. Because of what you've done, you'll never be forgiven. You're not worth forgiveness. You're not worth love. God would never love someone like you. Or how about the endless what ifs? What if you miss out? What if people don't like you? What if you mess up? Those little lies if we let them run and we go through and we start believing them, it will lead us away from God. It will lead us away from the truth he has already declared about us in Jesus Christ. And for me, I hear all of that before I brush my teeth in the morning. It's all of us hear that stuff. We all have to deal with that stuff. Every single one of us are affected by this and we have to know that. And no, that's not what God says about us. That's not how God views us. That's not what God wants for us. You see, mentally, we are under attack. And they serve up, the Satanist minions serve up lies for us to grab hold of and believe to stop us in our tracks. And in order to detect a lie, in order to laugh at a lie, I hope you get to that point where when you hear it, you bust out laughing going, that ain't true. I'm just going to, just let's go ahead and just rebuke that right now. Well, you got to know the truth. In order to detect a lie, you got to know the truth. A good framework to understand how the Bible talks about mental health things is truth and lies. We know where the source of lies come from. We just talked about that. Let's understand truth a little bit more. And now, before we get too far into that, I know we live in a day and age where truth is, is always under suspicion. I mean, we have a culture now that says there is no such thing as truth. We don't know how to figure out truth. Everybody has a personal truth. And to some extent, I actually understand what they're trying to communicate. See, for the first time in history, anybody can create a web page. They can create a blog. They can do a post. They can create anything they want and claim it to be truth. And studies suggest they spread six times faster than actual truth. Did you know fake news spreads six times faster than real news? I mean, so it's hard. It's hard to figure out with all our, or how connected we are. It's hard to figure out what is actually true now. A student of history knows that when you dive down into the past, everything's told from a certain viewpoint. So it's hard to figure out what truth even is or, or what they're communicating and how to get to the bottom of things. And studies show that our memories are super unreliable. You can claim to be telling some, somebody how something happened, but your memory's a little off. 
And so when we talk about truth, it can be like, okay, well, well, how do we get to the bottom of this? I know it can be complex, but, but here's what we have to understand. There's a big difference between, between trying to get to the truth and then lying. Does that make sense? There's a big difference between trying to get to the truth or trying to express. I might not have all the details right. If I told you how I got here, I may get a lot of details wrong about the, the turns I took or I thought I took this street, but I'm getting at the truth. I'm trying to speak truth. I'm not deceiving you. I'm not hiding things. I'm not trying to manipulate anything. And so how the Bible frames this, and when the Bible talks about truth, it's pitting up against lies. And I know that can be hard, but there's not this personal agenda. When you're trying to seek the truth, there's not a personal agenda to lie. And so when we think about truth, especially for Christians, the Christian worldview, this is important. Whatever abstract philosophical conversation we want to have about truth, understand the way the Bible presents it is truth versus lies. And I'm quite certain that even our modern society would understand those are different. The truth, however we want to talk about it, however we figure it out, we know, all know there's a difference between truth and lies, right? I weigh 150 pounds. You think the scale will agree with me? No, lie. I'm intentionally deceiving you. But if I say, oh, um, it's none of your business how much I weigh, and I'm off by 10 or 20 pounds, you'd be like, oh, that's not a big deal. Like, I was trying. I'm not intentionally deceiving. So understand that. The Bible presents it as truth is this. And Satan and these other things are flat out lying, going against it, what God says. You see, because in the Bible, why this is important is because the truth is everything. Everything. On the onset of John's gospel, he explains to this how Jesus has come and, and deals with this. Look at this, John 1, 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who's, who, who's he talking about? Jesus, right? 85% of the time in church say Jesus, it's correct. Well, I've taught you that, all right? It says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. One of the promises of the gospel is that we can find truth. And do you see this? This is so important. To deny truth is to deny Jesus. It's very important to understand. All we have to do is pretend truth doesn't exist and it doesn't matter. Then all of a sudden we're saying, well, Jesus can't be right because he claims to be truth. Or he is the truth. Look what Jesus says about it, John 8, 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You heard that in a movie, and you didn't even know Jesus said that, did you? That is from Jesus. I know, it's powerful, and he came up with it. It was his idea. And he says, if you really want to know truth, don't look at how you feel. Don't listen to what other people say about you. Don't try to find out. Don't Google it. If you want to know truth, you do what? You hold to his teachings. And then you will discover it. So the path to truth is following Jesus Christ. It's putting into practice what he says. Jesus claims this because all sin starts with a lie. Every single sin starts with a lie. It always has and it always will. It starts in Genesis 3. Starts questioning and doubting God. And every other sin promises to fulfill something. Tells you if you do this, it's going to make you feel this way. It's going to add value. It's going to give you worth. All sin starts with a lie. And it leads to hopelessness and despair because you're living a lie. 
You see, sin creates more problems and never satisfies. But if we set aside that and understand that what Jesus is saying is, if you want to find truth, if you want to know what that feels like, start doing that. Don't pay attention to how you feel. Don't pay attention to what everybody else says. Those little voices, those crazy things you get. No, no. Put into practice what I say, and then you will realize and you will find freedom in Christ, his truth. So the way we get to truth is following Jesus. Lies lead to despair and hopelessness, and you already know that. But the truth leads to freedom in Christ. Not only do we find truth, look at what Jesus says about himself. John 14, Jesus answered, I am the way, the right truth in life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you've been influenced by our modern society, which it is what it is, but if you've been influenced to think there's no such thing as truth, understand this is who they're attacking. Jesus. We can't believe there's no such thing as truth because then Jesus is wrong and he doesn't, we have to deal with that. So the biggest claim of Jesus is truth claims. However else we want to talk about truth, the biggest thing we have to deal with is the fact that Jesus said he is the truth. He embodies truth. He'll give you, his uh, teachings will lead you to the truth. And the amazing thing is he doesn't give us an empty promise. No, no, when you follow him, something will happen. This is an astounding claim. How many people say, well, if you do this, this is a guarantee to happen. But Jesus says, if you follow me, if you do what I ask you to, if you hold to my teachings, you will discover something. You will be able to see verifiable evidence because of the freedom and the truth in him. That is an astounding claim. So why not try it out? Those areas where he's off limits, those areas you're like, I'm not too sure. Because he's saying if you're not following him, you're living a lie. You're believing a lie. When you can find freedom, when you can find it in him. You say, well, Ryan, why would I even try that out? Why would I trust my kid's future to Jesus? Remember the whole resurrection thing? If anybody can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, we just believe everything else he says, right? Remember, it starts with who Jesus is, what he claimed to be, and what he did. It's rooted in the fact that Jesus predicted his own death, his own resurrection, and that proves who he is. That's what we believe. That's the power of Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's what we're clinging to, that hope. But you see, sin has distorted our thinking. We have a very real enemy who wants to bombard us with lies, Lead us away from God. Lead us to a path of despair and hopelessness. In other words, Satan's primary activity is dealing and affecting your mental health. But Jesus came to deal with that. He embodies truth. He'll lead you to the truth and says, I am what truth is. So in light of all that, what do we do? How do we get there? How do we discover it? I mean, do we just pray everything away? That doesn't always work, does it? Right? I mean, we don't understand why we have things or why we're born with things or why things aren't. We don't understand that. But we do have some information. We do have some next steps. Here's what we're told is, number one, renew your mind. Paul says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. But we don't conform to the pattern of this world. We don't just do what's normal, what everyone else is doing. We're to be transformed by the renewing of what? Yeah, so God promises to mess with our mental health in a good way. He promises that we, he can get involved and help us there. If you're dealing with it, if it's, I mean, I, I get it. I, I really do get it. He says, I can help. and I want to help. We renew our minds in God's word because your Bible is a battleground. So we must learn the truth from Christ. Again, the best way to detect a lie is to know the truth. So, well, Brian, how often do I need to renew my mind? What does it look like to read the Bible? It depends. Right? Jesus says man cannot live on bread alone, but out of, out of the words from God. So we need, you and I, we need a steady diet of God's word. Just like if you eat daily or several times a day possibly, or maybe too much during the day. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay. We need to a steady diet of God's word to live on. But it also depends on what else we put in there. It's kind of common sense, really. If I want to lose weight, I need to burn more calories than I put in. We understand that's the basic way to lose weight, right? But if I eat a ton of garbage, I'm going to have to pay for it in the gym if I want to lose that, right? Makes sense, right? Okay, so in addition to your daily quiet time, I suggest that you renew your mind double the amount of time Double the amount of time you dull your mind with Fox News, CNN, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever else you put in there. You say, Brian, that's impossible. Well, perhaps you need to stop putting so much junk in your mind. Perhaps we should listen to God more than we listen to whomever. Because they don't have the truth. Jesus does. And if you didn't know, they sell lies, fears, and panic. All of them. It's the business model. I'm not, it's just how it is. Double the amount of time you listen to them, I would listen to Jesus. Gives you a plan, doesn't it? Some of y'all feel real mad at me right now. That's okay. I'm not the one, I didn't tell you to watch all that and listen to it or scroll through it. That's on you. I'm just telling you how to get your mind out of there. Because your mind is a battleground. You have to be intentional about what you think about. It's very important. Because he says to set our mind on the things of God. Look at this. Set your mind on what the Spirit desires. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is, what's that word? Death. Doesn't sound like a good place to be, does it? Right, or the mind governed by the spirit is life and, and that's what every single person struggling with any mental thing wants, peace. I just want some peace. Also, set your mind on the things of God. You can have your mind set on the fleshly things, the worldly things, and it will produce what the world produces. Or you can set your mind on the things of God and your mind will produce something different. And we know this, right? No matter how much you set your mind on your job, your career, all these, all these things, all these desires, we want, we want, we want. What happens when we get them? We want something different, don't we? 
Like, actually, that wasn't as satisfying as I thought, but this one will be it. Like, this time it's going to happen. It's an empty, bottomless pit. But a mind set on the spirit will give you life and will give you peace. And we're promised this. We're promised this will lead to peace. Our mind focused on the things of God. So, Brian, how do we do this? Wouldn't you know the Bible tells us it's amazing what's in there if you check it out. Look, Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, all the words in yellow we're going to say together, okay? I'll start over. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, y'all should join the choir. Y'all are amazing at this, okay? Whatever is, right, whatever is, whatever is, right, whatever is, whatever is, if anything is, And whatever you have learned or received and heard from me or seen it in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Might? Nope. Test them. <laughs> Test God, please. Please try it. Like, all right, God, I'm going to try to test you. I'll see if this happens. Go ahead. It's amazing the things God says. Come on, test me on it. Watch what happens. Come on. Test me. He says, think about these things. This is your filter. If it's not something in there, then it doesn't need to be in your mind. And sure, thoughts come up, and we can't control that, but you don't have to dwell on them. You don't have to fantasize about them. He tells us to think upon these things. This is where our mind needs to be trained to go, the good, the pure, the right. And when we think that, we're like, okay. Of course, sure, I'll do that. But let me read the antonyms for you because I think this helps us get it a little bit better, right? This is the things of the flesh. Finally, brothers and sisters, antonym means opposite. I know you knew that, but just making sure we're on the same page. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is false, whatever everyone else is doing, whatever is wrong, whatever is unclean, whatever is hostile or ugly, whatever is disreputable, and if anything is the worst, I love that, the worst. What is that? I don't know. But if anything is the worst or dishonorable, don't think about such things. And when we say it that way, we're like, oh, maybe I like to think about what's false. Maybe I like to think about that celebrity gossip and that trash that everybody's going through. Maybe I like to dwell on that. I wonder if that's disreputable or unclean. Hmm. I wonder if I worry about what everybody else is doing rather than being noble. You see, being noble is doing the right thing and having people watch you and go, wow. Not out of pride, but because you're, you're noble, you're of good character, rather than, well, I wonder what everyone else is doing. I can't miss out on that, can I? Yeah, this is the stuff of the world. This is the stuff of the flesh. This is where our mind should not be. But our sin nature, mine included, boy, we can dwell here all day long, can't we? We can camp out here and then pull up a chair and invite our friends for a bonfire talking about these things. And then repost it usually too, right? Yeah, think about it. Paul's like, no, 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 no. This is is where your mind will go to the wrong places. This will not lead you to peace. This will not lead you to a good place in God. We have unlimited access to this stuff now. Now, most of you know that I don't participate in social media. This is why. 
It never produced anything in me that God desired. That's the honest truth. It never did. Maybe for you, that's fine. But for me, this is what I saw. It produced things in me that wasn't of God. It didn't help me. It didn't make my life better. It created envy. It created aggravation. It created all these feelings that weren't of the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, okay? And maybe this will help you be honest as well. I don't really care about missing a picture of someone I haven't talked to in five years of them or their kids. You don't either. Because if you did, you'd have been at the birthday party, wouldn't you have? Correct. So please stop pretending the reason why we have it is so we can catch up. You could be addicted to this. Could be filling our minds with this. And wondering, what is going on in my life? This could be it. Or maybe not. But if we want peace, we got to get out of the gossip. we got to get out of the scandals. we got to get out of that. Turn your attention to the goodness and the greatness and the awesomeness of God. Fill your mind with how much he loves you and how much he cares about you and how much he loves those other people that you don't love. And pray about how can I love these people I don't love and, and work through those things. Because listen, social media has been out long enough. I'm not anti I am, okay? I don't like social media. That's pretty obvious. I'm not gonna pretend I do. I don't like it. And it's been out long enough, listen, where studies have shown now that it can be very harmful it, leads, it can lead to depression and all sorts of things. So what I do ask is look at your screen time report. Be honest. Share with somebody how much time you spend on it. And if you wonder if maybe you're addicted, ask a friend or a spouse. Don't ask yourself. We lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? But be honest because it could be. I mean, there's a rise in depression. There's a rise in mental health illness. They can track it back to social media. I'm just telling you, I'm not conspiracy theory. I'm just saying, Paul tells us if we dwell on this kind of stuff, it leads to the wrong place. And those of you with kids, please know that you are giving your child a loaded gun when you're giving them social media. Teach them how to use it. Monitor what they do and pay attention. Don't just hand it to them and say, oh, they'll figure it out. Just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean they don't. Please, please pay attention and be careful with it. Because we live in a sinful world. We have a real enemy who wants to pull us away from God. And his number one tactic is lies. Jesus said, but I want to give you the truth. Paul says, so renew your mind. Set your mind on the thing that the Spirit desires, and you will produce the things the Spirit desires. And if you ignore this, and you're putting more of the other stuff in your mind, don't be surprised if mentally it's not working out so well. And while we're here, I want to point out one more thing, going back to our verse, Philippians 4. It's finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received and heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the peace of God will be with you. Not only do we need to be intentional about what we're thinking, but also what we're doing. And as Christians, you know this already, as Christians, we are called to corporately gather for worship. As Christians, we are called to 
get together with a smaller group of people and talk about our faith, grow in our faith. It's called discipleship. As Christians, we're called to serve in a personal ministry for the benefit of other people just to find out we actually get more than we could ever give. It's amazing how that works. And we're called to share our faith. And church, it's time to start taking these things serious again. It's time to get back on track. It's time to get in the game because the enemy wants to keep you and the church on the sidelines. But it's time. Right now, our world, our country has been through so many, so many hard things. Not to mention the personal things we have to deal with. But the truth is, the world's always been a scary place to live. We're just now being awoke to some of these facts. But you see, the scarier the world is, the brighter the hope of Christ will shine. Church, we have the best time to start sharing the hope of Jesus Christ the hope that's found in him, and the truth that's in him because the world doesn't know where to turn right now. But we know it's Jesus. So, in closing, I'd feel irresponsible if I didn't mention a couple last things. Listen, we all need help. Every single one of us. We can't go at it alone. We weren't designed to. We need other people speaking into our life. And the idea that we have it under control and we can do it on our own is an absolute lie. We weren't created for that. I'm not saying if you need help, get it. I'm saying all of us need help. First, you need Jesus. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You absolutely need him and you need his truth. You need his forgiveness, you need his mercy, you need his grace, you need his love. And if you haven't embraced that part of the gospel that he has died for your sins and wants to give you a new life, it's the time. It's time. You need Jesus. You absolutely cannot do this alone. Number two, you need the church. There's no getting around it. You need other brothers and sisters who want to walk with you through this life. Our church is perfect? Absolutely not. We're messed up. I just said that. We all are. It's okay. So we come together to try to figure it out. Some people are judgmental. Some people aren't judgmental. I mean, it's okay if you just realize I'm another one of the messed up people and we'll go through this together. You'll get along just perfect. It's okay. But we all need the church. We all need our brothers and sisters in Christ helping us. And the truth is we need you. Because God has given you a gift and has designed you a certain way to help us in this church do specific things. So not only do you need us, we need you. We need to do this together. And lastly, you may need a professional. And that's okay. There's no shame in getting help from a professional. The healthiest people I know all had help. That's probably why they're the healthiest people I know. They all got help when they needed it. Again, it's a bold-faced lie that you can do everything in this world on your own and you're tough and resilient enough. You're not. And it's okay. None of us are. And don't let a bad experience stop you from seeking help. I know a lot of people said, I tried that once. You see, when they diagnosed me with ADHD, he gave me medicine and prescribed it. I'll be honest. I took it for a few months and I quit. I'm not telling you to quit medication. Don't hear that. Please don't hear that. You do what you need to do. I said, I stopped taking it. 
because I didn't, I didn't like it. And I learned to leverage what they called issues. I learned to leverage it for my benefit. It took a lot of time, but I enjoy it. But I would have never known what I needed to work on, and I would have never known there was even an issue if I didn't get that help to begin with. But here's the important part. While I didn't like the advice or the follow-up about medicine and all this stuff for me, that didn't stop me from seeking help later when I needed it. I didn't just write off everybody and everything because I didn't like one person's opinion. Not that long ago, I don't know how many years ago, but I ended up seeking to work. I needed to work on something. So I went to a behavioral psychologist and poof, he was awesome. Blew my mind. He just reaffirmed how awesome I was, to be honest with you. No, the truth is, he didn't. The truth is, it was incredibly helpful. And I'll share that story with you later. But man, if you've got to work on some things, if you've got to just get help, it's okay. It's, it's normal to get help. Just don't try to do it alone. Get help. And if you don't know where to start, just come talk to me. Email me, call me, talk to me. I'll, I'll go on the journey with you. And I'll make sure we find somebody to help you. Perhaps we can, but I promise you, everyone on staff here knows when something is above our pay grade. And the moment's above our pay grade, we will definitely find you someone who can help. But we'll be there right with you. Following you and helping you on that journey. So, what does the Bible have to say about mental health? A lot. The gospel speaks directly to it and tells us that we need our minds renewed and we need our life transformed because Jesus has come to give us truth and you need him. He clears the fog of lies that the world throws at us. And if we renew our minds on him and set our minds on spiritual things, he'll lead us to peace. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the truth he gives. We thank you so much for the promises that he declares that if we follow, if we trust, if we hold on to his teachings, that we will discover life and peace. And Lord, I pray for every single one of us as we engage in that journey, knowing it's going to be difficult knowing we're going to have to relearn things. We're going to have to retrain ourselves. We're going to find out that habits and ways of doing life weren't correct. Lord, that is scary and gut-wrenching, but we know you will be there right with us through that process. Father, we are so thankful that you care about us. We're so thankful that you are the God of this world who spoke everything into existence, but yet cares about what goes on in our minds. came to forgive us and set us free from the bondage of sin. So, Father, we thank you for that. We pray that those here today who need help, whether they need to give their life to Jesus, whether they need to step up and get involved at the church, maybe they need help finding help. Lord, we pray that today they will have the boldness to seek it. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.